Yo, hello, my friend, and welcome to the newest episode of the Pixelist Podcast, a podcast where uh, us two nerds just like to talk about all the things we enjoy. We're talking games, movies, shows, you know, you name it, really. We don't, we, we can do whatever we want. But yeah, today, today, we're talking about a little thing called Critical Role. That's Blake. I'm Will. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And uh, man, that intro was very like soothing, like a coffee shop feel. I was like, ooh, yeah, we do. Okay. We do talk about shows, movies, and games, whatever tickles our fancy. That's right. Um, So that was nice. That was a nice little uh, intro for sure. (laughs) And uh, those of you who are watching, welcome back. And uh, we got a bone to pick with one of you. One of you who made quite the call. We make the calls. We are the ones who have the awesome calls. But apparently, we don't make all the right calls. Ooh. Someone made a comment that was the ultimate call, which we'll have to talk about later in the show. But yeah. welcome to the show, and thank you guys for being part of it with us, joining the Pixelist journey. And uh, especially, I was kind of just joking around, uh, especially also, thanks for this last video. We got up super late. It was so cool to see how many people were jumping in, giving their thoughts and just insights. Yeah, and, uh, Glad to be here again. So... Here yeah, we are. dude. Uh, I just got to reiterate that. Like, you know, we we literally record. Was it yesterday? Right? No, two days ago. Two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I was out of town, so uh, we recorded really late. And I was like, you know what? We obviously still were going to do it no matter what. But I was like, you know what? Probably not many people are going to engage with us on this one because it's so late. But yeah, like Blake said, was blown away by still all the great comments and um, theories and everything we got. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, today we're here to talk about episode seven of Critical Role, and uh, we're going to dive into that very shortly, but I did have a couple quick things I wanted to throw out before we jump into it today, and I actually mentioned a couple of these in our last episode, but like we just said, since it got out so late, I want to say it again here. Um, Blake and I are considering doing The Witcher uh, season two when that comes out. And so we would just love your feedback on if you think we should do like the whole show at once, since it's a Netflix drop and you know, it all comes out. So watch the whole thing, then talk about it. Or if we should still do like an episode by episode basis. If, if you happen to have an opinion on that, please let us know. Uh, cause we're still trying to figure that out. And then, um, one other thing, this is kind of random. Um, but Critical Role released a their first novel recently. I'm not sure if you've if you've seen this, Blake. Uh, but it's called Kith and Kin, and it's about two oh, of the yeah. characters from Campaign One. I've actually been making my way through that. I know you haven't seen Campaign One, so I don't know. It, and it's a prequel to Campaign One, so it's not like you have to would have to have seen it. But I was thinking about potentially when I finish, we could do like a spoiler-free review on it. And so even that way, even if you still haven't checked it out, maybe you could still like be the the audience stand in to, you yeah, know, yeah. I don't know. It was just an idea. So if, if I'm like, he did what? <laughs> yeah, I'll be uh, the reaction for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if, if that would day. interest anyone, let us know down in the comments as well. Yeah. And also adding on to that too, we've thrown around the, thrown around the idea of doing a campaign one uh, rewatch. And we talked about, uh, Will, you gave some really great insights on the Briarwood arc and why this is so relevant for Ladna's apparent patron. And I made a comment, because there's a lot I didn't realize. I knew like a general understanding, but 
understanding more in our conversation in the last episode that we recorded, I was like, wow, this must, these story points must hit differently. And uh, Ken, one of our commenters said, actually, yeah, it, it does really hit differently seeing this stuff happen. And so uh, Will and I have been throwing around this idea of like, do we do a campaign one rewatch? And I think one of the commenters on our last video said, hey, at least do the Briarwood arc uh, watch through. Uh, so we may do, you know, we may do a campaign one rewatch. We may do like um, just on a smaller note, the Briarwood arc. Um, I don't know if it's fair to break it down into... You know, it's like Dragon Ball Z, like the Cell Saga. <laughs> no, I don't know if it's like that neat and tidy, but um, that's something we're thinking about talking about. Obviously, we love D&D. We love Critical Role. So I don't know. Let us know what you think about that as well. Yeah. And dude, you're not going to want to stop if we do that. So <laughs> don't open that box. <laughs> yeah. And another good point on that. I, I think we should do this. But another good point in that uh, in that hat. What am I talking about? Is the the animated series that's coming out. uh pretty soon next year um yeah that is going to take it's basically going to be the briarwood arc so you know it could be kind of cool to like witness that in campaign one before seeing the show or maybe some people just would like to you know experience the show yeah my mind's still blown that percy is the long lost son that was mentioned (laughs) because i knew the character but i didn't know his last name and so Mm -hmm. just that single point you made i was like what so anyway (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about what happened in episode seven of campaign three of Critical Role. And if you're just tuning in to this one part, we like to peel off the recap as a separate video. And then we do our deep dive discussion. Uh, We'll link that down in the episode description below if you're here just for the recap. And also, if you have your own insights, theories, things that you really loved about the episode, definitely click on that link to go to the full episode and let us know what awesome stuff you picked up on. Uh, And having said that, Will, I think, is going to start us off today. Yeah. All right. So uh, episode seven, uh, the story picks up with uh, Dorian returning to the party who is in a, a like private box here at the Dreamscape Theater. They've uh, you know come to investigate these missing people. And uh, Dorian is returning because he had just had like a secret rendezvous with his brother down below and uh, comes back up and actually lies to everyone else in the party saying, oh, you know, it was just a fan mm-hmm. that... Uh, wanted to talk to me uh and he kind of quickly deflects uh but mm-hmm. ashton um seems to catch on to the fact that he's lying yeah, but anyway an inside check right yeah <clears throat> and uh so then you know he deflects and the the show begins and so they settle in and decide to watch this show which is kendra's flying lauders which is basically this like acrobatic show with you know they're jumping really high on this big like seesaw thing and doing all sorts of high the the trapeze artist gig if you've ever seen that exactly and uh it's going really well at the start um doing all these crazy stunts but um eventually someone does kind of make a mistake and they fall land and they kind of get up and you know you know seem to be okay but then they're quickly like helped off the stage by other people and uh shortly after that moment uh the play ends a a half elven man comes out and is like hey you know that's the end of the show thanks for coming out uh there's no refunds (laughs) and um the party's like oh okay like you know we hope that person's okay and it seems like they ended the show um prematurely and uh they're kind of taking a look around to see like they can notice anything suspicious as people are leaving since you know they are indeed here to investigate missing people um and everything seems to be pretty normal 
Uh, and they're like, okay, well, let's go, let's see if we can get backstage and, you know, talk to the performers, talk to the people that work here and see what we can find out. Um, so they try to do that, but they, alas, are not allowed backstage. And so, you know, they, they think up some hijinks and ultimately, uh, Laudna <laughs> casts thaumaturgy to say fire <laughs> and kind of in this, like this, this commotion that that, uh, causes, they kind of like sneak up on stage and try to get behind it. <clears throat> um, However, they're like immediately run into Stu Vaughn, who is the half elf that uh, ended the performance that I mentioned a few minutes ago. And uh, he's like, well, what are you doing here? And FCG's like, oh, you know, I can heal your your injured performer. And uh, Stu Vaughn is originally hesitant, but then he quickly notices that like these people have money because they mentioned, you know, we were in the box and you can see Dorian's nice clothes. And he's like, oh, oh, well, let, uh, season tickets. Are you guys interested in that? And uh so FCG <laughs> kind of wheels around and goes to heal um, the injured performer and and does, and they're very thankful. And uh, while they're back there, they're kind of asking the performers about, um, you know, these missing people. And they're like, oh, you know, we've only been here for a week, uh, so we don't really know anything about that. Uh, but, you know, Stu Vaughn would probably know more. And Stu Vaughn kind of overhears this and he's like, what? Missing people? No. What are you talking about? Uh, that's nonsense. And he's still kind of trying to sell them on these like season tickets. So he's like, you know, come, come to my office. Let's talk more. Um, but meanwhile, Laudna and Orem kind of spy somebody suspicious still in the audience, uh, a cloaked figure. And he kind of like hurriedly scurries off and they're like, oh, let's follow that guy. There's something up with that. So they go out there, um, while the rest of the party follows Stuvon to his office. And he, you know, briefly tells them about all the shows upcoming and everything, but they quickly change the subject to these disappearances. And he's pretty defensive about it, but he eventually um, relents and begins telling them basically all about it and says, you know what, if you're really here to try to help, you can't do any more harm than the wardens did. So, you know, go nuts. And, um, the, the long and the short of it is that there's these disappearances that started with a janitor, then a performer went missing, then a couple of patrons that were in one of mm -hmm. the private boxes went missing, then somebody in the lower levels. and um, One of their bar bartenders yes, too, I think. Yeah, or, <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And I think altogether it was uh, six or seven people that had disappeared in a span of about three weeks. So, you know, they questioned Stuvon a bit for everything he might know about this. Um, but ultimately he's like, you know what, here, I'll, I'll tell my people you're here, go talk to them. You know, mm -hmm. you'll have free reign and, you know, let me know what you find. So it's to look out for Borum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Borum and he doesn't correct it. <laughs> it goes by the name of Borum or something. <laughs> so, uh, so, wait, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he tells them that, uh, Ocampo and Tefta, or like his two like right-hand people for right. that they should probably talk to. So um, they're like, all right, you know, thanks for the info. And um, meanwhile, Orem and Laudna, you know, trying to follow this person, you know, they go outside, but they basically immediately lose track of the cloaked figure. And so they're like, okay, well, that's that, I guess. So they basically rejoin with everyone else who has just finished this meeting with Stuvan. And they're like, all right, let's go investigate. So they first go talk to Ocampo, who is this, um, he's this human in his like mid thirties. And they basically ask him all the same questions they've been asking everyone else about these missing people. And Ocampo kind of fills them in on what he knows, nothing too juicy. 
Um, but he has the keys and lets them access like backstage and all the dressing rooms and they just search this whole area. Um, they don't really find anything of, of import or anything that points them any direction for this mystery. So after they've searched everything they can with him, Ocampo takes them to Tefta, who is this <laughs> great NPC, like a gnomish woman that is hitting on Orum the whole time. And, uh, they basically ask her now all these same questions about the missing people. And they do find out a bit here. Uh, they find out that basically everyone that's gone missing was kind of a loner or even, you know, like these couples that were maybe sneaking off to have an affair. Um, so what they glean from this is basically like, okay, these people maybe were somewhere like private when they disappeared. And so they're like, okay, so where could that be? Like, where are some private areas around here? And Teft is like, well, here, here's the keys. You guys just look wherever you want to. And so now the party has full access to search. Um, yeah. And th this is a very uh, sultry person. And Imogen is doing detect or open mind, you know, detect thoughts basically. And afterwards is like, you know, I saw things that I never <laughs> thought I never wanted to see like limbs and places that, you know, just and they're like, what? It was a lot. Yeah. So anywho. So now that they have free reign, the party actually splits up and, you know, they're investigating all the different places like Orum and Dorian. I go up to the rafters and to the roof. Um, uh, I think they split up into maybe three or four groups and basically just investigating everywhere else that they hadn't already. Um, but ultimately, this takes us to Imogen um, entering an alley and getting kind of a weird vibe. And she uses her detect thoughts and like can sense a presence, but she can't really like tell what it is. And the rest of the party is kind of converging on this alley as well. Um, and so FCG also does his kind of detect thoughts thing. And he agrees that, yeah, like there's something here. Um, and uh, Dorian and Orm actually were on the roof at this moment and kind of they could see everyone else converging here. So they start making their way down. So now the whole party is in this alley and they're looking around and... What they can see in the, the far back of this alley, there's a wall that an eye all of a sudden just appears on. And then that's followed by these like tendrils jutting out of it and these like jagged points. And they're like, uh, what's going on here? And that's actually where the episode goes to break. And uh, if you want to take it from there. Yeah, yeah. So they are apparently fighting this um, mimic wall sort of creature. And it's um, it's this big you know fleshy creature that's like sort of implanted into a into a false wall really and uh like will mentioned has this you know eyeball pseudopods i mean matt does a great job describing it by the way and uh immediately a couple of cool details um they go into combat it gets a surprise round and just totally begins to start to crush the party um, a couple of yep. details from this. Um, it actually grapples Laudna and pulls it, pulls her against the wall uh, and actually tries this a couple of times. There's another time where it actually bites uh, onto Ashton. And as Ashton pulls away, um, all of the teeth just break off and um, come loose from this like toothy maw. And then Matt describes it as like another... Um, another like uh, row of teeth like emerge forward like in its place. Yeah. So very creepy. <laughs> um, there's this other cool move that it does where it shoots like it sort of bubbles up this burp of like this acid bubble that sort of floats out and then pops and uh, actually does that a couple of times and it's incredibly devastating to the party. 
And um, even towards the end of the combat, Orem actually gets uh, seemingly he's on his way to getting swallowed by this creature uh, before they finally are able to kill it. Um, we also get a couple other cool things that happen. Um, the party as a whole, they do a terrible job in, in terms of rolling to hit, even though the combat's only a few rounds. They have quite a few attacks that just flat out miss. And there's some jokes. Uh, I think Dorian jokes like, it's a wall. How hard could it be to hit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Matt's like, well, you know, doors are harder for you guys, um, which is a callback. I think it's a callback to previous campaigns, but especially I think episode two or three when they were trying to break into uh, one of the tavern doors and couldn't seem to hit it for some reason. Um, so there's a lot of jokes around that. Um, Ashton is rolling really poorly also, by the way. And then FCG is, in true spirits of being FCG, is making these motivational comments of, you know, we all have these, um, you know, these metaphors of walls in our lives that we have to overcome. And it's sort of like tying it to like, let's overcome this wall. And, um, you know, even though the party's getting pretty much trounced by this monster, uh, there's really not a... um, I would say there's really a, a deep sense of danger. Um, no one gets knocked out. In fact, Lana actually almost gets knocked out before FCG does his um, or their transfer pain, I guess, link thing. Suffering, I can't it was called think. transfer suffering. That's right. And actually pulls seven uh, or actually halves the damage that she takes, um, which prevents her from getting knocked out. So. Anyway, the combat happens. Uh, Fern actually, and again, we've seen this in EXU, but if you didn't watch EXU, Fern actually uses her summoned wild spirit uh, bonus action to have Monkey jump out and uh, Monkey sort of explodes into this little mini fire elemental. And again, a signature move from EXU uh, begins to throw flaming poop at the <laughs> at the wall. Um, anyway, a few a few rounds of combat go by. Uh, the final blow is Dorian does one of my favorite abilities, yep. Chromatic Orb, and hits a natural 20, does over 30 points of damage, and it goes from like, oh yeah, it hits it pretty good, to whoa, okay, how do you want to do this? And um, it was just an awesome moment. It's always great seeing everybody cheer when those things happen. Yeah, I thought so, about you when that happened, that, that Chromatic Orb. Yeah, yeah. So I played a campaign where I really like to use Chromatic Orb. So <laughs> anyway, um, all this to say, they defeat the Mimic. And uh, on its corpse, they discover the really like leftover metallic objects that haven't quite co- uh, decomposed or been burned away in this acidic creature. And it's pretty clear that these are sort of like the leftover items of the patrons who presumably had gone out to the alley and were swallowed up by this creature. It's also at this point where some of the staff come out to investigate the commotion. Some of the wardens come and show up. Uh, the, the guards people of Drusar uh, also show up. And I think even as Stuvan comes out, one of the wardens like hits the dead body. He's like, I killed yeah. it. I did it. You know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, and Stuvan's like, great, you guys are still so helpful. Yay. Because <laughs> um, there have been some comments around how the wards were like totally useless and all this stuff. But all this to say, they they do make their way back into, into Stuvan's office, and Stuvan offers them a chest of gold, and the party's able to persuade him for uh, some uh, uh, membership tickets, which he had been trying to sell earlier, yeah. uh, I guess for the rest of the season, for the rest of the year. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, like season passes or something. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, all right, fine. You know, and they're like, you know, we totally just saved your place. Like, come on. 
they make their way back out to the alleyway and pick up some of their weapons that they had like thrown at the monster and some things they had stuck into the monster, things like that. And they also, in sort of their conversation with one of the staff people and with the wardens, they come to find out that some maintenance had been being done in this alleyway just a few weeks earlier. And it seems like this fresh improvements to the alleyway coincidentally coincides to the arrival of this mimic and the first patron disappearing. And so they actually ask, okay, who, um, you know, who was responsible for um, actually, you know, putting in this wall. Right. And um, let me see the name. Um, the uh, Treshy House Masons Guild yeah. were apparently the people who put in these improvements. And uh, so they start to wonder, was this something nefarious and even maybe intentionally done to harm the Dreamscape Theater? Um, also, as this is happening, they uh, start to notice someone who is sort of slinking off to the side in the alleyway. And they're like, what's going on with this person? And immediately realize it is a small uh, gnome figure with, um, if you thought Bertrand Bell was old, this person <laughs> is similarly very old with um, gray hair coming out of his cowl and even out of his ears that he points out. And uh, this is Chetney Pakopi, a gnomish, I think, rogue. Mm -hmm. And Travis Willingham joins the table mm -hmm. and presumably assumes the role of his character. So uh, Chetney mentions that he's been looking for a friend. And I, I, I'm assuming in seeing this fight happen, thinks, hey, maybe this party can help me out. I don't know. Yeah. So um, uh, that is essentially what happens. And that is episode seven of campaign three of Critical Role. Yep. Ooh. So did I miss anything or is that, I can't remember if that was. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I think I, now might be a good time to say, uh, Ness O, you monster. <laughs> this guy put a comment in our last video because we've been talking, we talked in our last video on who is Travis's character. Mm -hmm. um, you actually said, hey, I just have this thought. Maybe it's not a shot Brezio. And I'm like, well, who else is it going to be? I mean, it's clearly going to be a shot Brezio. And you're like, but maybe it's not. And then Ness O commented and said, hey, some clever detective work. It seems like it is a yet to be met character, Chetney Pakopi. And uh, you were right, my friend. Great job. Nice detective work. And uh, you have earned your, your place of fame in the <laughs> shout out on the show. So yeah. anyway, which leaves me all these other questions. Like, who is this person? Why did yep. we have to wait to meet him? Why couldn't this character have shown up in episode one? Um, pretty curious about all of that. Which yeah. is why I thought it was the anger was because it was a very neat and tidy explanation for why right. it had been so long for right. um, this character to show up. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess this is a good place in India to start, right? And yeah, so again, Ness, you madman. Just well done. <laughs> Great uh, job. I guess since it's not a spoiler anymore, what what uh what he specifically did was they're apparently like critical role registered trademarks and it's like this information you can find i don't know where to find it but apparently it's findable and like they noticed all the the character names had been trademarked like you know ashton laudna imogen or whatever uh but not bertrand um but instead 
Chetney. So people were like, oh, that must be Travis's character. So um, a, a little bit more on, on Chetney himself in a second. But yeah, I, I guess as far as why he, you know, was delayed, the, the only even like breadcrumb of information I could point to is I think it was the episode where we lost Bertrand, you know, Matt sent out some tweets that night about, you know, that that wasn't Travis's character. Uh, he just said that um, kind of like the JRPGs we grew up on. Sometimes you have a party member join right. later in the story. And then he just said Travis right. wanted to do that. So maybe it was just that type of like flavor moment yeah. and not really, you know, something cooked into the story as far as, right. You know? Yeah. Maybe totally right. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I I was surprised. I it's it's just it's funny that you know he's an even older guy, like you said. You know, I thought that maybe like his character Bertrand would be just like a complete disconnect from what he ultimately was going to do, and I'm sure they will be vastly different. But it's just funny that yeah. they're both. Like, I was expecting like a dark, moody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know the edgy character we all played when we were kids. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah. laughs> but so okay. Given that information I just said about the the trademarks, I kind of want to want to preface this next thought is. Because I had the thought, and I've also seen some other people be like, well, what if this also isn't his character? Like, what if it's another kind of, like, misdirect where, um, mm -hmm. you know, he's just going to be this for a short time, and then maybe his real, real, like, you know, maybe Travis does this eight times this campaign. Um, <laughs> which I do kind of, like, like that idea. Uh, but the fact that the name was trademarked along with all the rest of the casts makes me think that this probably is his permanent mm. uh, and character. I know Matt Mercer had a tweet about, um, I, I guess this is a, an inspiration inspiration from a previous character that Travis had done, uh, Chutney Chocolate Cane, I think. Yes, yes. A, a character for like a Christmas one shot, I guess, yep. um, outside of the EXU universe. And uh, I think either, either Matt tweeted this or Travis tweeted it that he had had so much fun with that character that he had been wanting to go back to that character, mm -hmm. which again, to me seems to confirm that this is his permanent character. It's also level four, which lines up with the rest of the party. Whereas right. Bertram was level five. Everyone was level three. Um, so all roads seem to be pointing to this being his character. Yeah. And not to keep, uh, raising nest but he actually he called that aspect of it as well in his in his comment he was like you know i think chetney might be like the travis's canonical version of uh chutney, chutney. Sorry, i'm gonna get these yeah, names yeah. mixed up um which it, that seems to be the case i i was a little when i read this comment before you know seeing last night's episode and i was like okay that's very interesting but i didn't know how i felt about like pulling a, a non-canonical character from a one-shot and placing him in the canon um but since it's just kind of like an it's it's not like as if it's that exact character lifted in place it's just like a character that's kind of like molded after that one so i i feel much better about that just because and the, the one shot he's from is great i definitely encourage everyone to watch that if you haven't seen it because it, it's christmas theme so it's like now's the perfect time to watch it anyway um, so I don't want to spoil anything from that one shot and a lot of people have been talking about it. So if you haven't seen it, kind of avoid that and go watch it. Cause it's worth it to not have it spoiled. Um, but there's just some implications where like, if he was literally lifting that character and bringing it here, there's some like questions and weird and weird things yeah. that would, you know, yeah, be, okay. you know, um, but that's not the case. You know, he's just, a an inspired by, I guess is a fair way to say it, but, uh, yeah, uh, super excited it, about this. It is a rogue, is that right? 
Yes, yes. Okay. That's what right. his um you know they have the little like character stat nameplate artworks and uh it, yeah, said, yeah. it said rogue on there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which we had said we thought rogue would be probably a good final addition to the party. Yeah. Um so it seems to be the case. Whether he'll use uh roguish weapons or uh, his little woodworking tools that he seems to also have. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm excited to see the flavor. Every character so far has been uh totally phenomenal so i'm excited to see his character um break into the party mold me too man and it's like there's such an assortment of characters you know like they're so different and it's like this is such a weird amalgamation of like personalities and stuff and so especially throwing this now chetney into that mix i just can't wait to see mm -hmm. what that turns into um <laughs> but yeah so old it, man it, travis it, is here to stay yeah yeah <laughs> well and there there is um you know talking about it being a weird amalgamation of people um we did mention didn't mention this in the recap but there were again a few more questions to npcs on what's the first word that comes into your head um, yeah it seemed like they got a little bit closer with um either stuvan or um one of the other staff people i think called them lucky Mm -hmm. And so they're like, hmm, the lucky bells. And they're like, hmm, okay. So it seems like they're getting a little bit closer, but at the same token, I think Ladna was like, okay, this is real. This question is really taking us nowhere. Yeah. Because um, they also got an answer like way out of left field. So, yeah, and I like how they're just putting it all on Matt. <laughs> they just keep yeah. <laughs> asking every NPC, like, what should we be called? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and maybe now with Chetney in the group, now it's they are allowed to officially land on something. I don't That's know. True. Maybe, it's, maybe it was a rite of passage to wait till everyone was actually there yeah fair enough and it is hard to come up with a name i mean i haven't been in part of too many campaigns but it's always like a thing you know you gotta like well is this cool enough do we like this um mm. we i don't even think the the campaign where i dm did y'all you never even came up with a name did you yeah we were the mighty shields oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i forgot that's right that's but it right. was a bit it was a bit um um I mean, our characters were also a bit, uh, that was more just like to convince people to pay us money. We yeah. weren't really that mighty, I guess, but, um, it was more of a con. And then, uh, yeah. And then in, in the campaign that I'm DMing, I just, I just gave them a name and they just were like, okay, yeah. Oh, what um, is it? Uh, Finnecker's fearsome. Ooh. Is that one of yeah. the characters names or like an NPC? Finnecker is one of the towns. Oh, okay, it's cool. the original town that they met up in. Um, that town actually is, was destroyed though. And so, what? I don't know. I don't know what they'll call themselves now. Mm. So, but yeah, like coming the up with a name can be, yeah, coming up with a name can be, oh, and it, you know, like a classic DM style. It's, you know, you just come off the top of your head. Uh, if Finnegar's fearsome, they're like, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> or like Matt mentioned, um, you know, flying otters, <laughs> you know, and he's like, why did I say that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't DM otters now. <laughs> and there was even a great line in this episode where like he had one of the uh, audience members like, where are the otters? otters. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that was great. those great moments as a DM where you just like off the top of your head, and then your players are like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> he put a lot of work into that. Yeah. <laughs> so 100%. anyway, yeah. Well, what uh, what from this episode? I mean, we it it was a first of all, I, we didn't actually have this question answered of like, what you think of the episode reactions? Oh, right, right. Um, I, I really like the episode. I'm also like a shameless critical role fanboy, so it, it would. It'd be hard for me not to love a critical role episode. Um, we were talking prior to recording. It wasn't didn't feel like there was a lot that happened, but still, still a great episode. And um, there, 
is more questions again about, you know, what's going on in this town and what sinister things are happening as well. But, um, what was your reaction to the episode? Yeah, I liked it. It was a, um, it was kind of a bottle episode, you know, like where, like there was a whole basically story that was told encapsulated in here. And, you know, they basically never left one location. Um, so that, that was fun. I thought that was a really cool, like one shot, if you will. Um, you know, just goes like, I just, I got to give props to Matt that he can just kind of like, you know, fit in a whole storyline concisely with, you know, beginning, middle and end and and just a couple hours like that. Um, yeah, so I I liked it a lot. It kind of reminded me, I don't know why I had this thought, but I was like, this would be, uh, if they ever make it to campaign three, as far as the animated show, I was like, this would be a fun episode just to be like the, the, the murder mystery at the the theater. Um, Right. But yeah, that was a very long-winded way to say that uh, I liked it, and I liked <laughs> the fact that we got you know like the whole self-contained story. Obviously, yeah. there's there's plot threads still there about you know who did this and stuff, but you know for the most part, found the monster, killed the monster. Yeah, it was interesting how Stuvan. I I assumed Stuvan had like connected with Esteros at some point to like because he pretty much had said he was out of answers in terms of what to do to solve his problem. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting that Esteros seems to not only have an, an insight on things that are happening um, under the surface, so to speak. I mean, things that aren't common knowledge, because obviously Stuvan had worked to really keep this as a bit private. Right. So not only does he have an insight as to the, the things that are actually happening, but does seem to really be a anonymous benefactor who is trying to help other people. I mean... Yeah. Because uh, again, I had assumed it was like, oh, you're one of Esteros's people. Like, thanks for being here. But it, instead, it was like, who? Why are you here? Like, who sent you here? Like, what's going on? Um, so that was did, interesting, I guess. Did they reveal that that's who they worked for? I don't think they did. Okay, yeah, I don't think so. Either. Did, yeah, I don't think they did. I think, I think he, he did ask though. He yeah, was yeah. like, what's going on here? Like, why are you guys so motivated to help? Yeah, he's like, what? What's your angle? Mm-hmm. And I think they. Sorry, it's so hard because they've had to answer this com- this question so many times now that I'm having trouble remembering if this actually happened in this episode or a previous one. But mm-hmm. I think they did have like the similar like we can't say who you know someone right. we're here on behalf of someone else we're just here to help something like that. Yeah, I think. But, yeah, and uh, it it is interesting that like you know last last episode we talked about um, how Yash told them you know there's a lot of rumors about Astros and we were kind of like you know do we think you know, he may have killed Mistress Prudage or, you know, and I do think that like everything we've seen so far seems to point to the fact that he's on the up and up. Like he really is yeah, trying to help, but it, it, I, I still want to know, I feel like there's still more there, you know, like even though he is, does everything seems to be pointing to like a positive. Why is he doing all this? You know, is it, is it like right. my, my best guess is that, he did love Miss Prudage because that's my personal yeah, theory Madame, right now. Madame and yeah. like, maybe he's just, this is his way of like trying to continue her legacy. Um, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I, part of me wonders if there is some sort of, not necessarily sinister, but like something else that's maybe a part of this. And it is not necessarily all for the good of mankind, you know, especially considering we have this whole vampire realm of, <laughs> of mis- mystery going on as well. Yeah. Maybe he's a werewolf. I don't know. I think he's something. I mean, it seems like there's something happening there. But um, for sure, 
vampire seems to line up. But we said in last episode, you know, maybe since Matt dumped that theory out there, uh, I'm a little less high on it now. But yeah, um, yeah. So so let's talk about specifically like the the mimic in this episode. So cool. Um, it seems like there is a tie-in with the Treshy Masons Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like this creature was nefariously placed here, whether it's to create like general anarchy in Drusar, or if it was something targeted specifically to um, the Dreamscape Theater, Duvan, or maybe a particular patron who got swallowed and the rest were just, you know, we're not going to take oh, the mimic out now. Yeah. yeah. You know, it could be anything really, but we've had a few interesting things now that I'm curious if they're connected or if it's just random story arcs that are all simultaneously happening. Cause we've mm-hmm. had the, um, you know, Duggar and the holes, right? right? The tunnels. We have the attack on the Loomis twins. We have the furniture, which was the first combat from episode one, right. uh, the animated furniture that they had to fight. And now we have this mimic that seems to have been either the wall has been placed and the mimic came along or it's not really quite sure clear what happened there. What's your what's your take, first of all, on the mimic? Um, but then I would love to hear also like your thoughts on like the grand narrative that's happening. Yeah, Um it definitely seems like it that it, this this mimic didn't just wander there, right? Like it definitely feels this was orchestrated in some way. Now, so if that was the the Masons Guild or not, I'm not sure because we don't really know anything about them. Like that could also just be the cover, you know? Like right. maybe it wasn't someone in the Masons Guild, but they took advantage of those renovations. Um, right. But one odd thing about the mimic. Um, at least I think I, I kind of was not exactly clear on what was being described, but when it was dead, they, they talked about like pulling orb like an orb out of it. Yeah. And had a bunch of orbs and a number in of it them. Yeah. On it. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I like, I don't, if anyone that's watching this knows what that might be, like if that is something, you know, it's probably just something Matt made up, but um, I just didn't know what to, to make of that. Cause I don't think that's like a natural thing for mimics. So to me, that was like, is this, is this some way this was being controlled or that's like the implication I got? Yeah. yeah. Or even if not controlled, maybe like making it uh, trapped in this area so that it couldn't like, I don't really know how mimics work. I think they can move though. If they want, like it could have left that alley. I, I feel like if it wanted to, um so maybe the orbs kept it there or something um but yeah in any case i definitely think it was orchestrated i don't i don't think it necessarily like all these things have to be tied together i think sure. that you know that ought, like that would be cool but uh you know in a living breathing world lots of things aren't connected you know there's just stuff sure. happening um i do think it probably is at least tangentially connected to the stuff we're figuring out here though like perhaps it was um the ivory syndicate maybe for you know whatever reason right is it has this this stonemason guild in their pocket and they're like using them to make renovations throughout the city you know i don't think it's connected to like the dugger tunnels because that seems like shade creeper adjacent um but well um, and and we know also the ivory syndicate it's been mentioned before that they 
are working either hand in hand or even like synonymous with the Shande Quorum. Right. And that some of them might actually be part of the syndicate. Um, and Yash and the Hubat Corsairs had mentioned previously that, you know, one of their objectives was to reveal the identities of these individuals to sort of get get it out there. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean it could be something sinister in the sense of, you know, they're they are blatantly evil and uh Esteros and, and also the Corsairs have described them as being um so much as that, but also, you know, having methods that are fairly brutal. Um, yeah. So I mean here's a pretty nasty creature that's eating people. So that yeah. seems to line up. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> What I can't really piece together is if this is part of like some grander conspiracy, if you will, what's the end game of a mimic in the back alley of a theater? Like, especially one that's only, you know, killed six people over three weeks. Like you think that like, if this was part of something, it would be more like there. And and seems, seems to have killed a bunch of nobodies. Exactly. Exactly. A bunch of nobodies, um, except for, Except for the couple, um, right? The two people. So, f- for those of you who missed the detail, maybe two of the people were patrons who um, I couldn't remember if they were described as like well-to-do or if I they were better so, off because they were in the the box. That's right. So they were um, That's others. right. They were in the box that the party was actually in, um, in terms of like similar seating, and they were unlike every other person who had sort of like on their own made their way out to the alley for whatever reason. These people had this couple had snuck off into the alley uh, to have an affair, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the that's the only direct tie-in I can see is because you make a great point. Like, what's what's the reason you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but similarly, it's, it goes back to the furniture. I mean, what's the reason for that? I mean, it's you True. know, is it just is it just to cause mayhem? Is it just to cause chaos? Or is there something more strategic about this where? You know, like I said earlier, one of the patrons in particular was the target. And then it's like, well, you know, do we go get the mimic? Now nah, let's just leave it there, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> and so maybe that, that well-off couple, one of the two of them uh, was somehow involved in, um, you know, the, the politics of Dressar. I'm not really sure, but. Yeah, honestly, that, that's my best guess too, would be that wealthy couple because one, they have money, right? And two, they're having an affair, so that means that there there are slighted significant others that may sure. want revenge, and so maybe, um, you know, I don't think if this was some setup, it that's like an expensive setup to get like a mimic placed here. Like they're not doing that to kill the random lower Gender. class patron that happened to go back in yeah. the alley. You know, it might be like a, an intricate like revenge murder. Like you cheated on me, mm. like. I'm going to set up this elaborate thing to get you both killed now. That's that's my best guess is this was like a a broken-hearted revenge murder plot. Yeah, I mean I could see that. Two. I could see that. The other thought I have is um Matt had mentioned through an NPC in a previous episode how the Mahan houses, the nobles um like we see in many stories are heavily heavily involved in the politics of the town that they're in. And so that's my other thought is maybe one of these two people involved in this tryst was part of some kind of political um, 
some some decision that they were making, like a a some influence that they were trying to push or promote, like a decision they were trying to see happen, and someone else was like, "We don't like that." And so, um, and maybe maybe um, you know, flat out killing an important political figure would be uh, a bit too too out there. And so they needed something that wouldn't have any kind of um, evidence. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they just disappeared. But then on the same token, I guess that doesn't really line up with the fact that there hasn't been talk about an important uh, political figure who's disappeared. It's just been, yeah, patrons, they haven't come back. So I think True. that's the the challenge of the theory that I have. But um, anyway, yeah, I mean, and we may not ever see what, you know, was the end game. It could be that it was just chaos for chaos. I don't know. But um, we do have the name of the Treshies Masons Guild. Um and we also have uh, Chetney, who's joined us as well. Yeah, and they do have—they did steal one of those orbs. So perhaps if and when they figure out more about what that is, that could shed some light on this. Um, but yeah, I do—I do like what you're saying about potentially being like a political assassination in a way, because um, you know we also have the Loomis twins who have been targeted. Um, so maybe there's, although like I guess why not just killed this person the same way the Loomis twins were killed, but I don't right. know, maybe, I don't, it, you know, it could all be obfuscation or how do you say that? Word? Right. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, we like big birds, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, and all, why, I don't think this is an important detail. I just think it was how to bring the group together, but it's interesting that, that Chetney was there. Yeah. That's my other thought is what's this dude doing in the alleyway, which I don't know. He's a rogue. I mean, maybe he slinks into the shadows and it was like, I love alleys. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it seems like um, it was, there wasn't anything malicious about it in the sense of like the party's more of just like, you know, what's that dude doing? Right. Rather than, um, you know, someone, it, it wasn't like the person, I guess, in the theater that they saw the cloaked figure who they tried to follow. It wasn't the same right. implication. And so, right. Yeah, there is like this question of like, why is this per like, what's this person doing for sure? Yeah, um, they're which, rogue. Maybe they're just chilling in the shadows. Yeah. Speaking of the person in the theater, uh, I know one of them threw out the idea of maybe that was who bought Corsairs following us, because mm -hmm. uh, Josh had mentioned like, oh, you guys are so easy to follow. Of course, we've been following you. Yeah, and so it, one of them theorized maybe that was the who bought Corsairs, but. Any ideas on your end if it was someone else, something else? Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. Uh, all right, two things real quick. On the Hubot Corsairs thing, the party themselves mentioned that. So I don't know if it was like the cloak was familiar or anything in that regard. But didn't Yash say we're going to stop following you like because he trusts them now? Yeah. Which he I could seen... be lying. Oh, I, I think you're right. I seem to remember some kind of comment along those lines. Yeah. yeah, I think last episode after like after they had been following them and the whole Duggar thing and the Estros connection, he was like, you know, you guys have everything you've told us has been true. So like, you know, you're like Imogen, your father's going to be fine. You know, we're not going to do anything to him unless you do something to us. And right. we trust you guys. So, you know, what, we're not going to follow you anymore. I feel like something like that was said clearly could just be a lie um but that makes me think that maybe it's not a corsair and then the other thing was and this, this confused me during that moment where they were talking about this dorian mentioned that he saw somebody earlier like in in the wings 
And I don't know if he was saying like, this is that same person or that also was a cloaked person. And I couldn't figure out if he was talking about his brother or if that was just completely different. Yeah. I forgot that there was that comment that you just made. Yeah. That someone else seemed to have been, and it was, it, there wasn't enough time spent on it that it never really got like anchored into what was actually happening. So it's, it is vague on if that was his brother, if that was, you know, a different individual. And even if this is the same person that they then saw later, um, but someone seems to be following them, I guess. Yeah. Cause, cause that's, that, that's what's, what confused me because Robbie pointed out that like, Oh, you know, the guy you saw earlier, but I didn't remember a moment where like Robbie did a perception check and saw somebody clearly that maybe happened and I just missed it or forgot it. But, right. um, so that led me to believe that maybe he was talking about his brother because his brother did have a cloak on. Right. And that would at least make sense for why somebody, you know, when everyone is exiting and there even was like a fire yelled out, why someone mm -hmm. would still be sitting there because perhaps he's waiting to see right. like, where Dorian goes because, you know, they said they were going to talk better. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, I really don't feel strongly about that theory, but that's really the only one I have. If, mm -hmm. it's, if it's something we're supposed to know about. Otherwise, you know, it could just be a completely random cloaked figure we know nothing about yet. Yeah, true. Could be the Immortal Syndicate who's, you know, true. it's privy to what's going on with these people. He was slippery, though. He yeah. got away from him immediately. And I, think. I think Orm rolled like a 19 or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Matt was like, yeah, they, I can't remember if Matt said he rolled really good or they rolled really good, um, mm -hmm. which would be an interesting slip if he said he. But um, yeah, they rolled really good. And so, um, yeah, it, very uh, interesting, that scene. Yeah, so I don't, we'll see, I guess. Because mm -hmm. really, and not to move away from this, if you still had something on the, you good? Nope. Because I was going to say that with the end of this episode, we obviously have, you know, the orb from the mimic. That doesn't really feel like a pressing plot line or anything like i wouldn't be surprised if that's just got forgotten um but they've they've solved this missing person's case what are they even going to do now they don't really have any immediate like line of action other than i guess going to get a drink with chetney and seeing what what his story is yeah i mean it's it's like Esteros is kind of the quest giver and so i it <laughs> yeah. kind of feels like when they run out of options it's like let's go back to Esteros. Um, I, I was actually surprised how quickly this got solved because it seemed like this was the next route being laid out for them that was sort of to designed to um, burn some time while Ashad Bregio healed. Yeah, it's only been a day, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> it's been it's been an episode pretty much. So yeah, I'm like I'm like yeah. Do they just go back to Astros? All right, what's next? And he has another, you know. There was a break in at the, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's interesting because there's a real, so far the campaign has not really slowed down. I mean, there's been some real momentum with each episode. It does feel like this is an opportunity for there to be a bit of a lull. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how they keep the momentum going. Obviously, you know, when campaigns go 150 plus episodes upwards, almost 200 episodes, there's going to be like those gaps of time where it's like, so what are we doing? Um, I have the similar thought as you though of like so what now yeah. <laughs> what do we do now let's go have a drink with chetney and then what yeah. so 
back they're back at the spire by fire right they're getting That's their punch their card favorite spot yeah so i mean it, it is interesting though they still we we haven't seen them go to the smolder spire yet we haven't seen them go to the airy spire aside from ladna and imogen at the start uh right. when they went to the starlight conservatory right um we also know that Esteros was writing the letter recommendation True. so that that could be an angle True. um and we don't know I just said they haven't been in the Smolder Spire. Um, we don't know the fifth spire either, do we? I don't I don't know it. It maybe has been mentioned, <laughs> but I don't think we've had the fifth one named even. So it's a bit curious. Uh, unless I I might I may have missed it. So you guys who are listening now, you might be like, okay, yeah, of course it's this. I don't think we've had the fifth spire mentioned. There are five, right? Five yeah. spires? I think. Yeah, yeah. So that's a whole nother element of the story of you know there's a lot to there's a lot to reveal there still in terms of that so I, yeah. while i say it it's kind of vague as like where do we go from here I, I do see a couple of angles that could lead to the next big thing so i don't know yeah and it's just like just because they don't currently like know what the next thing is definitely doesn't mean that there's not like a hundred things out there because like you said they've literally just been going back and forth between the uh Lord Astros. yeah and the uh the spire by fire basically uh right. so they really haven't explored drusar like at all like maybe 20 percent of it so i feel like there's a lot left to uncover um obviously i think chetney might lead to an immediate thing i mean he know we, we know he's looking for someone that could be like that could be like an immediate thing he's doing or that might be like his entire mm. campaign arc it, you know what it I'm feels saying? like it, it wouldn't be the former because the party is so immersed in like the momentum of the work they're doing for astros that for like like we know travis obviously but like story-wise random person who's like hey i'm looking for someone can you help me it's weird to me that they would be like yeah let's you know we'll get, we can get back to Esteros later i guess like let's yeah. let's go help with this person like i just don't see that happening so i i do think it is more of what you're saying of like this is like the first clue as to this person's story arc mm-hmm. um that'll unpack over the next several episodes but uh but maybe but i don't know i mean maybe he's like i'm looking for someone it's you know john who has a son named duggar and yeah we're like, yeah like maybe it's maybe you know it's i mean i don't know all these this so. conspiracy It'll be interesting to see for sure. And then one other, you know, plot thread we do have is that letter Ashton got. Um, right. Which, okay. Yeah. That's another big thro- plot thread. Yeah, right. They said that th- they needed to do that alone. So I don't really, I get maybe, maybe next episode Ashton will kind of do his own thing for a minute and then, you know, that'll lead to something too. Uh, I want more effort. <laughs> Just I was about to say that. Yeah, hopefully it brings him back thing. to Effin the Fallen. But yeah. Yeah. Great character. <laughs> Super okay. good. Well, uh, let us know in the comments where, where do you think it goes from here? What's your best guess on the next big thing, the next angle? And of course, we'll know next Thursday. Um, I know since we have a little bit of time, we wanted to talk about a couple of things that we couldn't fit into last episode. Yeah. Did you have anything else you want to mention about this episode before we hit on some of those sort of hanging threads from um, our last video? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. 
You made it seem like you had something. I know. Like, I, I always uh, feel like you no. ask me something and my brain brain goes blank yeah. in that moment. And I'm sure. like, uh, sure. If, well, if, I know if it comes to me, I'll bring it up. Specifically, you had mentioned like you wanted to go back on FCG because we didn't really get a chance to dig into um, his character and sort of a big moment that happened with his character. Right. Do you want to take yeah. it from there? Yeah. And we also got a moment. We've been getting lots of moments, but we got one in, in last night's episode, too, where, um, oh, gosh, Stuvan, that's his name, right? Yeah. Stuvan was once, like many before him, have been very impressed by FCG, being like, what are you? And right. that's kind of been, you know, this recurring thing throughout the campaign. People are amazed at this this talking robot, um, which just goes to show that, you know, this is an oddity in Exandria. This is this is um not the yeah, norm it it almost even seems like a a one of a kind type deal like not just a like wow i've never seen that before but you know it's you know 10% of all robots are you know like you it, it definitely feels like no one has ever seen anything like this before yeah um, and so well, actually, before I dive into that, one uh, one little fun little Easter egg I, I wanted to point out last week, but uh, we didn't, well, we kind of ran out of time, but I also just forgot, uh, was when Orem last week, when he was, when they were playing the, the drinking game and, you know, he asked FCG about like his origin and stuff. He mentioned, you know, I've, I've only seen one thing like you and it wasn't even really that much like you. Um, I think he has to be referring to Dodie for those of you that know what i'm talking about so i like i'm almost i would say i'm like 99 sure that's what he was referring to in that moment so i just thought that was pretty cool which is um it's just a character from campaign one um oh, okay okay cool but anyway uh so back to uh fcg's uniqueness if we can call it that for now um i do have some and i think a lot of people feel this way some light to shed on that it kind of is a campaign two spoiler, but only in huh. like, it's not like a spoiler for like a character moment or like a, a twist or anything. So I feel comfortable talking about it. Like okay. I do want to give this warning and I do actually, I want to ask you personally, if you care, if I say this, <laughs> I'm like, nah, man. And then like five minutes later, I can't believe you told me that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. All right, it's and again, I'm not gonna like give you the whole Reddit of everything that happened, but just the the bullet point here that's relevant is that a there was a, a moment in campaign two where um there basically was <laughs> this this robot this automaton um that uh is similar to FCG in that they are they they speak you know have an intelligence and so there was this this basically these these string of events that happened in campaign two kind of allowed that um automaton to like uh, what's the right word here to use um basically brought them back they're like this ancient technology that was like lost and something that happened in campaign two kind of brought one back so to me fcg is like the snowball effect of that happening. So maybe he himself is also ancient and dancer oh, found okay. him and repaired him, or maybe dancer just found parts of these old ones and built a new one. 
you know um i think kind of what what falls into this is the fact that um you know he said i've been with dancer for two years so i'm two years old but like maybe that's just when he was reactivated or you know whatever yeah it, it does seem like there's a purposeful purposeful like either memory wipe or inability to access yeah and so that like maybe birth yeah maybe the fact that he got stuck on that those memories this was that he only has he only has access to the two years he's been with dancer maybe like he can't quite like maybe he has tons of memories but those are just kept from him or need mm -hmm. to be healed or repaired in some way um but anyway the the long and the short of this was just that um i think this this is like technology that at least the current denizens of exandria wouldn't know about because it's so like ancient and was forgotten um yeah, but it might be slowly trickling back in now due to some stuff mm -hmm. that happened in campaign two i can't remember if we said this we talked a little bit about his character in our very first episode and um we had talked about um a couple of different like potential story arcs for him and one of the ones i had mentioned was i can't think of the movie with Haley joel osment but where he's an ai person and basically wants to become real oh, or yeah. something I and i uh, <laughs> and uh, i think i said like you know maybe that's going to be his story arc is like you know wanting to become human or something i don't know yeah but but the thing that was interesting about that um the him freezing so to speak as he tried to remember life before dancer my theory is that because here's the deal he he makes some comments about you know you guys he speaks generically about soul touched beings and just sort of like um broad brushingly you know describes them like yeah soul touch people are like this i get it what have you and it's almost like this purposeful detaching of, you know, I'm an AI, you know, what have you. Right. My wondering is if this is a purposeful detachment that, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the actor who's playing FCG, uh, Sam. Yeah. Sam Regal. If Sam is purposely creating that distance because maybe he was a human and his consciousness has been, implanted by dancer Ooh. into fcg it's kind of like a starcraft phoenix type situation yeah. like person mortally wounded and you know because because here's the things that i think about with this um the uniqueness of him the fact that no one's ever met him before seen him before seen something like this before mm -hmm. um and then the ways that he's a bit disingenuous with himself in the mean in the sense of he talks about when Bertrand Bell dies that, um, you know, he expects the soul touched people to be sad and maybe even be in shock. And even like, sort of like, sort of like, um, leads into that. Like, you know, I'm sure you guys are having a tough time with this, but then he himself even later says like, yeah, I'm sad. Like I, yeah. I'm having emotions about this. Uh, it, which it's a bit of an interesting contrast there. It's like, right. that's interesting that you, you seem for the descriptions you have about soul touched beings, you seem to have some pretty notable similarities there. So yeah. that's, that's what I'm shipping right now. That's my theory is some kind of mortally wounded person whose consciousness has been implanted by dancer into FCG. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. And it also leads into like, you know, we, we know dancer like named, their creations after <laughs> things they loved. Yeah. But there's also been sort of the subtle question of like, 
is fresh cut grass really his name right or is it something else so i don't know that's what i'm throwing out there that's kind of what i'm that's where i'm at right now with this character yeah i like that and maybe uh, so if if that is the case are you under the impression that he knows that about himself and is just kind of like lying or you think that's been like that he doesn't know that that is what he is i, I think he doesn't know or it's been like so unconsciously buried that that is why there is like the um you know does not compute uh and i think that fcg is just is just not even self-aware enough to recognize some of these um because fern even says it too like you know maybe you have a soul like you seem to yeah. be a lot like us um these things like if you if you do ship this theory those comments which seemed offhand now seem a bit on the nose of like oh yeah which firm would have no idea actually johnson has no idea right but um i don't know that's kind of what i'm wondering and if, you know <laughs> like we always say maybe i'm hopelessly mephistoing but um i don't know that's kind of where my mind is with this character now yeah and why and why he had the sort of like bugging out that we saw in the previous episode yeah, I mean, in any case, he has some, for lack of a better term here, memory issues. So I think, but I think the interesting question is, is that intentional? Like, did someone cause him, like, hit right. this stuff from him, or is it because he is damaged or, right. or you know, whatever else? Right. So. Yeah, I think it's, maybe it'd be worth it for us to do, like, an episode on this of just, like, creating a DD character because the more i think about every character in uh, even one of our commenters said something like i know i keep harping on ashton uh which by the way we don't dislike i, I love yeah, keep doing comments it. like that i love people being like hey i really love this character i mean that's part of the fun of DD is we all get together and be like dude i love that character mm -hmm. um it is so remarkable to me how likable every character is in this party yeah. and like these guys are these people are experts you know they've done this for several years now but like every time one of them speaks i'm like man i love that character oh that was so well said that's so funny that's so great and so it's got me thinking you know you and i are about to start are about to jump in as players into a new campaign mm -hmm. or a new module and so naturally i'm thinking like how do i make a great character yeah um i don't know if it's, if it's worth it for us to to deep dive at some point on what are the common factors in these characters that make them so likable yeah. and frankly play together so well. Um, Cause you know, I think many of us who've played D and D it's always tough when you have that one person who doesn't play well with everyone else and how it can really damage the momentum. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a big word vomit. Uh, what do you, immediate thoughts, reactions? No. Yeah. I like that. And I think that would be fun. And um yeah, I definitely, you definitely have to have the right table for, for, I mean, I'm sure anyone that's watching this video right now probably plays D and D or at least enjoys watching it clearly. Um, so most of you probably know, or maybe you don't, but I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that if, if you haven't had a good experience with D and D, I just encourage you to like, try again. Cause it's all about the table. Like you got to have the right type of DM and you got to have the right type of players that are all like there for the same thing, you know? But when you have that, it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. It's, and it's, definitely one of my absolute favorite things to do uh on a i play every other week um one of my all-time favorite things to do and uh i mean you're right when you have that right table it's can be really special and really fun um 
So, and when you have the wrong table, it can definitely give a bad taste in your mouth. Um, so like Will said, if you did have a bad experience, I'd say give it another shot. So sure. I'm excited for the one we're about to do. I know me too. Starting on Monday. So we'll have to, I don't know how to keep you guys involved on that. Um, you're going to stream it. So I mean, maybe you could even upload it on the channel. Um, I don't know if people would want to see that. Maybe they yeah. wouldn't. It beats me. So <laughs> we'll see. You guys maybe, suck at D and D. Make it down. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's all I got. Do you have anything else you want to share? Uh, I think that was pretty much. Oh, that pretty much is it. But as far as like meta for going up from the table, one thing I wanted to talk about was the new intro last night. Oh um, right, we got to mention that. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. Uh, so good. So sad that Robbie Damon seemed to have a just a single shot in it, which to me communicates temporary character. Okay, that that's what I was going to say, is that on one hand, he was in it, which I, I do think with the... In campaign one, they had at least two, maybe three different intros throughout the, the, the course of the entire campaign. Campaign two, they had two. Uh, so I think it's safe to say that we probably will get another intro at some point, maybe an animated one, um, once things are a bit more fleshed out, uh, right. which would be awesome. Um, but anyway, so even though another intro is probably coming at some point, I do think it's a pretty big thing that they put him in this one. You know, like if he was, if he wasn't in it, then I would be like, oh, you know, he's definitely a guest. But well, and I, I think it probably would have been. This is just me. I think I've been pretty hugely disrespectful to not, to not give him any any kind of FaceTime anything uh, in the intro. I mean, maybe not. I mean, he, you know, he they don't owe him anything in the sense right. of like permanent seat. But um, I, I, I don't want to speak for anyone else. I mean, he's a favorite of mine. I think I mean, they're all favorites of mine. I love them all. But um, he's just been so phenomenal. And so it's just. I, I think it just it's only it's only appropriate to have s some shot of him in that intro. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I, I do think that was at least. I agree with everything you said, like that he if he'd not been in it, it kind of would have been like. Uh, I'm, I'm getting into word vomit here anyway. The, the point is he was in it, so I thought that was a good sign, but he wasn't in they like the, it ends with like a group shot of all of them and he wasn't yeah. there. So that kind of made me. Yeah. He wasn't in that. And he also wasn't in the table shots. Right. Like, right. With the awesome pan, which was yeah, so slow. Oh, so good. But the pan. Yeah. He's not in, in those shots like either. So. so I don't know how to feel. I mean, I feel like if he was in those, we could probably safely say, boom, he's just a permanent member. But I don't know. It it is crazy how, and I think I've I think we talked about this in maybe like our first and or second episode, but just how everyone loves Robbie. I literally haven't seen a single negative comment about Robbie. Everywhere I look, it's like, please, Robbie, stay forever. Right. And so I, I just again have to point out with like a community this big, and you know how toxic like people, people are in every fandom. Yeah. You know that like I just I can't believe that not a single person is like no Robbie's messing with the chemistry of this group you know even we... even EXU which was heavily criticized um I feel like people would have like an essay on everything wrong with EXU and then they'd be like Robbie you're good man <laughs> yeah. I love you <laughs> so, so yeah I don't really know where I'm going with this but I just it blows my mind and I just think just speaks to his his character and his commitment to this um, yeah I'm on I'm on the make him permanent bandwagon you know i i think he's amazing on the table amazing table dynamic 
someone, one of our YouTube watchers made a comment that he had done, uh, I think, uh, theater. And so there's a lot of, of the skill set there of like knowing when to step in, knowing when to wait, and just the collaboration that he's so naturally good at with the people at the table. Um, I, I think he's such a great fit. So I, yeah. I would love to see him be permanent. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, for all we know, for one, all we know he is he is, but for all we know, he maybe was offered that and, you know, he's a busy voice actor and maybe he just couldn't like commit to a three year, you know, gig. So um, this is while we're on it, this, uh, it, it can, by the way, it could just be mutual. It could both it could be both parties saying, let's just see how this feels. So, yeah, 100 yeah. percent. What were you saying? Though? Um, but kind of while we're on this subject, one thing I did think since, you know, we we aren't sure. Um, that if he was going to leave this little subplot with his brother, maybe like the impetus to that. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. makes me sad, but that does remind me another really great, um, it, we don't do a good job of being pronounced in, or deliberate in like pointing out some of our YouTube commenters. Uh, but it does remind me someone had a comment. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, cause we had talked about Dorian and, um, uh, you know, what's going on with like when my people fell and mm -hmm. like brothers saying something about us a bit being destined to wander. Right. right. Um, someone like had the, the air Shari comment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, someone MG has a really lengthy comment. I didn't have a chance to read this yet. MG. So I'm not sure what this says, but I'm going to go back and take a look at this. Um, but that seems like a really important, uh, data. I can't find the other one. There was one that someone made about thinking that, um, maybe he and his brother are, fr oh, here it is. Uh, oh, this is from Ness. Dang it, Ness. You are so on point. <laughs> okay. So Ness, once again, we're going to, we're going to start with Ness and end with Ness. Ness made this comment. Uh, and I thought this was a really great comment. Um, I read this and thought that's really interesting. So. Dory and his brother are actually from the plane of air, like Fira Rai. This was a character, um, a fire genasi from um, uh, Exandria Unlimited. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so just like Fira Rai from Exandria Unlimited, but from the plane of fire, um, I think there's some kind of portal from the plane of air to Marquette. It might explain why it's seemingly difficult to get away from there. And we talked about uh, Dorian being sort of astounded, like, how did you get away? Mm -hmm. Um and then also, by the way, I had another added detail. Um, speaking of elemental planes, there's a theory going around that the five spires of Drasar are five fingers of a fallen earth elemental titan, the beings that ruled Xander before the gods. So two interesting lore tidbits there from Ness. Uh, but especially the Dorian part is interesting to me of, of, you know, why do people, why does he seem to have like a royal lineage and yet no one's would have heard of them? What's going on there? But um, yeah, maybe with his brother, there's a reason for him to leave and go back to the plane of air or wherever this is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, much to be seen there, I guess. Yeah. And that would also kind of, we've been kind of like cloudy on the fact, is Dorian from Marquette? So that would kind of make that a little more sense because he's actually from the plane of air, but maybe he's just like, you know, says he's from Marquette. Right. Um, but yeah. And this is kind of random, but you saying the, the earth elemental thing reminded me of, uh, you know, we talked about like, what's that broomstone for? And could it potentially even be a, like, do something crazy with these spires? Um, I don't, I don't remember when it was, it might've even been two episodes ago. Um, but someone was talking about like the danger of broomstone again. And so I was like, okay, this could, maybe this is like some sort of like terrorist mm -hmm. plot yeah. with this. And that, uh, that's all I have for this comment, but I just wanted to yeah, okay. 
say that. Well, keep commenting, guys, because we we read all of them. And um, there's so many great insights that happen in the comment section. And definitely, if you're watching yourself and you have even the most off-the-wall comment, I'd say don't be embarrassed to share it. Jump in with the dialogue and let us know what you think. And uh, that's for me, that's part of the fun of it, is we're all enjoying this together and on the journey together of um, this campaign. So That's right. Thumbnail. Thumbnail. What do you think? Uh, Hmm... Um, uh, one of us could be the the toothy maw mimic, and the other person could be like the, you know, grossed out or like, oh, like what? Or, I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> I could do like this, you know, the, you know, action or something, okay. or you could. All right. Sure. You seem less than thrilled on that no, idea. No, I yeah. just, I no, I'm, I'm about it. I'm about it. I always All like right. want to have an idea, and then when it time comes, it's just like I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be, uh, I'll be our, our mimic. So. Okay. <laughs> I feel like every random person who scrolls is always like pausing, like, what are these? It looks weird. And then they guys? just keep going. <laughs> we're not stupid. We're doctors. <laughs> uh, well, other than that, you guys definitely, like I said, comment below. Let us know what you thought. Don't forget, we are on Twitter. Um, if the episode's never up on a Friday for some reason, usually like we're out of town or something's happened, you can always find updates on our Twitter at The Pixelist. Yep. Also, don't forget that we are on Spotify. The podcast is going to be on iTunes as well or Apple Podcasts. We're just waiting for an authentication thing to go through. Um, but otherwise, you can also follow us, listen to, listen to us there if um, you can't get on YouTube. Uh, but that's all we got. Thanks for listening. All right. See y'all next week. See ya. Bye.